We're recording. Oh, you went away for a second. Okay. And you went away for a second. I think it's because I started recording. Oh, oh, okay. Like the blink. Okay. Yeah. So you're drinking Aurora Hoppy Alice? Yes, I am drinking that. That's all you have to say about that, huh? (laughs) Yeah. What are you drinking? Well, you were just so abrupt. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm on my last pineapple cider. I only bought six, but... It's just, it's really hot out, so I wanted something yeah. fruity. Yeah. My, my husband promised to bring me a shot every 15 minutes. By the way, he's late. Wow. I would be on the floor if that happened while we were recording <laughs> every 15 <laughs> We're going to try that one time when this is all said and done. Oh, boy. In, like, 2021. When Disney opens? Yes, exactly. When Disneyland I told my niece Sarah that and she lost her shit because that's her oh, thing. No. She's that's pretty bad. angry. Yeah. Well, what are they going to do with all those um, like year pass owners? I'm guessing they'll just continue it next year because I thought the yeah. same thing about the zoo. You and I both have passes to the San Diego Zoo. That's true. And, and we didn't get to go half the year. So I figure they'll just continue it. They'll need the yeah. money. So for sure. Both show. So what are we talking about this week? So we're talking about the assassination of Dimebag Daryl. Uh, Jen and I switched our true crime and paranormal because I couldn't give this up. I wanted Jen to do it and I couldn't give it up. I care too much. So what? I'm sure you'll get into it. But Dimebag Daryl isn't a political figure. How is he assassinated? I think... They can say that, just like the assassination of John Lennon, if you're that big, I guess. Like, I don't know what defines how big you are. Okay. be assassinated as opposed to just murdered. Murdered, yeah. I just assumed it had to have, like, be politically motivated. But I guess that's true, because it is the assassination of John Lennon. That makes sense. I came up with that off the cuff. Because when you said that, I was like, oh, she's got a point. And I was like, John Lennon. (laughs) (laughs) You're so smart. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm not that many drinks in. <laughs> we'll catch up with that. So, see, I, I always print out pictures for you. Okay. Well, send them to me so I can put them on. Send them? I don't know how to send them. I know how to print things on the paper. <laughs> not true, but okay. So, let's begin. Daryl Lance Abbott was born in Ennis, Texas on August 20th, 1966. Um, He was the second son to Carolyn and Jerry Abbott, a country music producer. He had an elder brother, Vinnie Paul, who was also in Pantera, but we'll get there, was born on March 11th, 1964. So he was two years older. Um, They divorced after, not they didn't divorce because they're brothers. You can't do that. (laughs) Their parents. Don't you want to sometimes? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially when you're younger. Yeah. Yeah. So their parents divorced and they lived with their mother in a ranch-style house on Monterey Street. Why I put that in there, I don't know. And Carolyn was very supportive of her son's music endeavors. So Daryl took up the guitar when he was 12. His first guitar was a Les Paul-style Hondo, which received, which he received along with a pig nose amplifier on his 12th birthday. A Whoa. pig nose amplifier. Is that a special kind of amplifier? or is I that- have never heard of a pig nose amplifier, but then again, I'm, I'm not a musician. Oh. Huh. <laughs> Um, so his brother Vinny took up the drums, and Daryl picked up the guitar, obviously. 
Daryl, I have it down as his last name, but it's the same last name, so I don't want to say Abbott. So I'm going to do better here, people, I promise. Daryl entered a guitar contest in Dallas, um, who the founder of Dean Guitars was one of the judges. He won, and he was only 14. He won the competition. Wow. And every competition that he entered for guitar contests around the Dallas area, he won. So they finally had to make him a judge so other someone else could win. That's impressive because I feel like in Dallas, there's so many country music stars and that's basically all guitar. Yeah. Like it's less drums and less bass. He got his first guitar at 12 and won all these contests at 14. Like he was apparently made to play guitar. Yeah. Devil went down to Georgia. I love that song. (laughs) That's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, So Pantera was formed in 1981. I was six. You weren't even born yet. Don't even talk to me. (laughs) Vinny was asked to join a band alongside his high school classmates, Terry Glaze, Tommy Bradford, and Donnie Hart. Vinny accepted the invitation, but on the condition that Daryl could also join the band. Glaze later recalled that they were unsure about his request as Daryl wasn't very good and two years or junior and was a little scrawny dude. <laughs> wow. But they, but they ultimately agreed. In 1989, the same request came from Dave Mustaine, who they asked Vinny, Vinny to join Megadeth. And um, he said, only if I can have Daryl join too. But they ended up deciding to stay with Pantera. So they were asked to join Megadeth yeah. while they were in Pantera? Yeah. But this is before Pantera got hit big, and I'll tell you why. Oh, all right. (laughs) So um, Daryl, I'm going to say Dimebag, but he's not Dimebag yet. (laughs) Daryl was very inspired by Kiss, Van Halen, and Judas Priest. Pantera was originally a glam metal. Metal. The members wore spandex makeup and hairspray on stage. (laughs) That's really funny. Knowing yeah. what I know of Pantera, like I just think that's where they started, that. like <laughs> Twisted like, Sister. Yeah, that's totally what I picture. Yeah, and he was known as Diamond Daryl, in reference to the Kiss song Black Diamond. No, oh. and not uh, his diamond bedazzled uh, <laughs> glam rock shirts. I just picture him in this like pink spandex, and I'm like, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so around 1984, they started listening to Metallica and Slayer, my two favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Daryl was particularly taken by Metallica's Ride the Lightning album, and they decided they wanted a heavier sound. Well, the lead singer didn't like that, so they got rid of him, and they replaced him with Phil Anselmo. Anselmo? I had to ask mm. Christian even how to say that. Anselmo? I just call him Phil. So, Are you buddy, buddy? I just call yeah. him Phil. I just call We're him just Phil. We're just tight like that. <laughs> I saw them in concert once, and he was just so good looking. Oh, anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> Their first album with Phil, that I just call Phil, Cowboys from Hell, was released on July 24th, 1990. They played 200 shows in nearly two years. Wow. Their next album was Vulgar Display of Power, which was a refinement of the groove metal sound. Didn't know that was a thing. Um, the band hit deb- oh, Jesus. The band debuted. Why can I say this word? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know, but it's really funny <laughs> to listen to you. It I debuted. Can, it did. Uh, whatever. It came out and it was number 44 on the Billboard 200. All right. Um, Vulgar Display of Power became number 10 on the Rolling Stones list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Hey, when did metal 
become a genre? Black Sabbath? So 70s? Like 70s? Yeah. Because they're saying that it's the best metal ever. I was wondering how long the history of metal is. Because, you know, if it's only a year long and you're the best ever, <laughs> like, huh. Well, not a lot of competition. Yeah, it's not as big accolades as if it's been a genre for 50 years. But I see. So it's probably like 10, 20 years at this time. I've never heard of groove metal, but I guess white what? I'm not that. Uh. <laughs> white zombie is supposedly part of the groove metal sound as well. Okay, let's move mm. on. So at this point, Diamond Daryl changed his look to cargo shorts, sleeveless shirts, and he dyed his goatee and wore a razor blade pennant. Pendant. Jesus Christ. This is going to so- be fun. <laughs> So this is in the 90s? Yes. We're at? Okay. So he's kind of merging with a little bit of like the grunge. He got rid of the spandex. On a type, like cargo shorts and. Yeah, that is very grungy. If he had a flannel tied around his waist. Yeah. Okay. This is when he adopted the name Dimebag Daryl, which was coined by Phil, my buddy. Dimebag Daryl's refusal to accept more than a dime bag, which is slang for a $10 bag of weed. Mm-hmm. Um, at one time, even if offered for free, he did not want to get caught with drugs more than a dime. So Smart man. But I was like, I didn't know that's how. He, I figured maybe he dealt pot, and that's when he became Dimebag Daryl. Yeah. Which is funny wrong. because it's the opposite. Because if yeah. he got picked up with more than a dime bag, he would be with possession with intent to sell. That's so true. It is the opposite. He, he was doing the opposite, opposite of what I thought. <laughs> exactly. So their next album was Far Beyond Driven. And Phil, <laughs> every time I say that, I laugh, um, was using, um, had some chronic back pain and he was using alcohol and heroin and painkillers to, to take care of that back pain. And it got a little out of control. So basically the band broke up. Um, they were actually out on tour in Ireland and 9-11 happened. So they canceled the tour and Phil just never came back. So... They didn't want to fight about who had the rights to the Pantera songs because they got famous with Phil. So mm-hmm. um, Vinnie Paul, who is also the drummer of Pantera, I kind of left him out there. Um, and Daryl decided to start a new band, and it was called Damage Plan. So now we're going to talk about another character that's in this whole mess. Nathan Gale was troubled, but not prone to violence. He enlisted in the Marines in 2002, but left the corps for a yet unknown reasons. He worked on construction sites and in an oil change shop, a minute lube, and as a landscaper. Mm-hmm. What? Are you like minute, minute lube? Yeah. You should see how it's spelled. It's spelled M-I-N-I-T. It's like minute clinic, but like, <laughs> just, I just need a little lube. Just a minute lube. Just a minute of lube, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry. I had a couple beers and I'm being extremely inappropriate. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. I'm so offended. Um, So Gail was also an offensive guard for the Lima Thunder, a local semi-pro football team. On the team bus, Gail often was heard listening Pantera on his headphones. So on November 17th at 3.20 a.m., police arrested Gail for driving with a suspended license. By then, friends had told the Columbus Dispatch that Gail had changed. He began talking and laughing to himself. I do that. What's wrong with that? we'll get to it (laughs) right we we will get to it he told a friend that pantera had stolen his songs and that he was going to sue them 
Lucas Bender, manager of the Bears Den Tattoo in Marysville, across the street from Gail, said Gail was a frequent visitor. He got a tattoo on his right or left forearm, a big custom-designed tribal thing. He also got his ear pierced about a week or two ago. He came in on a daily basis, and I tried to keep him away from the clientele because he gave off a really weird impression. Well, he also, this guy, also played guitar, and Nathan became infatuated with him. Nathan Gale, I keep switching between first and last name. Hmm. And he started trying to hang out with them, and they didn't like that. Like, he was kind of starting to stalk them a little bit. Oh. And they had to kind of be like, dude, you need to chill out. Like, I, I don't want to hang out with you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so they thought he might be a little bipolar, which they might have been right. Let's see if I have a date here. Hold that thought. Don't go yeah. anywhere. I'm up here. They got to remember the date because for some reason I didn't put the date here. Okay. On December 8th, 2004. On a chilly night, Gail had been hanging out at a club parking lot while the music pounded inside. Damage Plan was playing. Um, in his hometown Hmm. a construction worker from maryville ohio um gail god damn it (laughs) i'm so pleased with how this is going and the (laughs) fact that i don't have anything to do with it (laughs) i don't know what is wrong with me today okay let's try again on december 8th 2004 gail was hanging outside the club that damage plan was playing at um this guy comes up and says hey man why aren't you watching the show and he's like, I don't want to see local shitty bands. He's like, well, at least go inside and get warm. You know, it's really cold out. And he's like, no, man, I'm going to wait for damage plan. Just I'm so sorry, you know. where where are they geographically? <laughs> uh, Ohio. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So it is cold for sure. Yes. yes. It's very cold. And it's December 8th. So. Yes. Um, just so you know, I don't know if I described Nathan Gale. He is six foot three and weighed 250 pounds. He hmm. wore thick glasses, a Columbus Blue Jackets hockey jersey over a hooded sweatshirt. So he's just chilling outside the club. And the bouncer there who was like outside taking tickets thought he was just like a hanger on her, just trying to like talk to the band when they came out. Mm-hmm. Like a little groupie or Band-Aid. Yeah, because he apparently didn't have a ticket for the show. He was just hanging out there. Oh, Um. so inside creeper. Yeah, right. Um, inside damage plan just took the stage. Nathan Gale jumps over a six-foot-high fence, rushed into the club through a side door. Walking swiftly past pool tables, a bar, and the sound booth, he reached the left side of the stage. The witnesses thought that Nathan Gale, whose head was shaved, wanted to stage dive. I don't know why they put it his head was shaved, and then he wanted to stage dive. Like, if your head's shaved, you must want to stage dive? I don't know. You have to. That was the only other explanation. So, it was about 90 seconds into their first song, and I'm... Damage Plan's new single, Newfound Power. That's the song they were playing. On stage, Gail drew a Beretta 9mm handgun and headed straight for Dimebag Daryl. The bass player thought Gail shouted something about Pantera, but he wasn't sure. With the feedback, I didn't hear what he said. I saw him open his mouth to yell something, but I don't know what it was. He just looked determined. Gail shot Daryl, who was headbanging his hair all in his face, at least once in the forehead. He had no idea what was coming like he was just into the groove banging his head and he was shot three times in the head the band's head of security jeffrey mayhem thompson then tackled gail but was fatally shot in the ensuing struggle a fan nathan bray was also murdered as he attempted to aid dimebag daryl on stage wow as was I, i didn't know any of that i i knew that he 
was killed on stage, but I didn't know that there was other fatalities. There were four altogether. Wow. Um, another person. What's funny? I thought this was a woman. It's um her name. Her name. His <laughs> name is Aaron Hulk, but they spell it like my name. Like I'm E R I N, wow. which is the feminine spelling. Right. So I assumed it was a female this whole time, and I was like, wow, what a badass. Um, he was an employee of the venue who tried to disarm Gail, and he was shot while he was reloading. And he was shot trying to help and oh, man. passed away. So the music stopped and the drummer, Vinnie Paul, which was Daryl's brother, stood up behind his kit and Dimebag dropped his guitar. And then the feedback just let off this high pitched shriek, shriek, not streak, shriek, shriek. <laughs> Dimebag Daryl lay on the stage bleeding from his head. While most fans fled, one concert goer, Mindy Reese, a registered nurse from Columbus, rushed forward and said, fuck this. I'm a nurse. He needs help. She did chest compressions. Wow. Yeah. Good on her, man. That's like... Right, because he's still shooting. He's randomly just shooting at this time. Yeah, and I'm sure everyone else is running. Oh, yeah. Like, Everybody in the else. melee. Absolutely. And Everybody else bailed. Badass, <laughs> badass woman who's like, I'm going to run into the fire and yeah, help. He needs help. Fantastic. I'm going to help him. Yeah. She did chest compressions for 15 to 20 minutes and kept saying, die bag. Come on. Come on. Please stay with me. He was near death by the time the paramedics arrived. From the backstage area, Office James Niegemeyer appeared carrying a 12-gauge Remington shotgun. He walked past a stack of amplifiers and saw Nathan Gale, who had taken a male hostage. Holding his gun to the unidentified man's head, Nathan Gale began moving toward the rear of the club. From 20 feet away, James Niegemeyer fired once, killing Gale. While he was holding a hostage... Wow. Pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it. If I was that hostage. Right? He's probably I don't know that I'd feel like it was badass. Like, you like, asshole, you could have hit me. Yeah. Did you care if you hit me? Or was this? <laughs> so, um, Dimebag Daryl Abbott was pronounced dead at the scene at age 38. Four people were killed and three others were wounded. Let's take a moment of silence. As police officers and detectives flooded the Alarusa Villa, that's the name of the club, on December 8th, Vinnie Abbott, Vinnie Paul Abbott, escaped to the damage plan tour bus and he climbed into Dimebag's bunk and wept. Oh my God. And that's heartbreaking. This is funny. I did not mean to do this when I said this. This murder was on was the 24th anniversary of John Lennon's murder. Wow. Way to bring it back full circle. Right? Didn't even mean to do that. Goodness. So thousands of fans attended his public memorial, and the guest list included Eddie Van Halen, Zach Wilde, Corey Taylor, Jerry Cantrell, and Dino Cazares. Do you know who any of those people are besides Eddie Van Halen? Nope. (laughs) Zach Wilde was Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist for a long time. He's now got his own band, Black Label Society. Okay, so... Uh, Speaking of Ozzy Osbourne, I had a conversation with my kids the other day about how um, I made an offhand comment because I had seen all these memes about, um, yeah, Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off of a bat. And I, I just dropped it nonchalant with my kids and they're like, wait a minute, he ate a bat while he was on stage. And I was like, well, it, he thought it was going to be a fake bat, but it turned out it was a real bat because his prop people 
you know, messed up, whatever. And they're like, well, he was going to eat a fake bat. Why on stage? I'm like, you have to understand the culture <laughs> and the, like that he's counterculture. It's rock and roll, man. Yeah. Like he's, you know, I was like, he was on the crazy train. Like he was not, you know, Prince of Darkness. And, and the kids are like, well, why would he want to pretend to bite a bat? And then he accidentally did. Did he get sick? Did he die? And I'm like, no, he's going to outlive us all. And Betty right? White. Like, that is super like, true. Him and Betty White are going to be the last people standing. Yeah, like they fucking <laughs> made a deal with the devil or they they drink true, that man. death becomes her okay, sauce. I have a theory. Sharon Osbourne, don't sue me, but I think she, I think he's dead and they're just weakened at burning, burning him. Mm, yeah, I could see that. That's my I theory. That. If uh, anyone could pull it off, it would it would be Sharon Osbourne because she's for freaking- sure and her kids they they could probably all pull it off um Corey Taylor is a lead singer of Slipknot Jared yeah. Cottrell is in um Allison Chains he's a guitar player and Dino is part of Fear Factory so there you go Why I don't know my uh my brother listens to all that music he toured with uh Megadeth in Europe I remember that like 10 years ago or something um, he followed them for, he was with them for, I don't know, like three or four shows in Europe, but he knows all those people like anthrax and I love whatever. Anthrax. I don't, yeah, I don't know any of them, but he talks about them and that like, I talked oh, to yeah. Dane with Stain on the phone once. Um, we were getting a wire from him to when I worked in Rancho Santa Fe he was going to move there, and then the 2003 fires hit. And oh, and he was like, fuck that. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> fuck that. That's my claim to fame. Me and Dave Mustaine talked on the phone once, um, and I totally didn't fangirl out. Instead, I just acted like a weirdo. Um, why I bring up the funeral, besides that all these people were there, is um, Gene Simmons from KISS donated a KISS casket for the burial, and Eddie Van okay. Halen donated his original black and yellow striped 1979 Charvel Bumblebee guitar, which was featured on the back cover of Van Halen 2. And he gave him the original to put in the casket. Um, the reason why is a few weeks prior to his death, Dimebag had met Eddie Van Halen and asked him for a replica of the Bumblebee. Eddie said at the funeral, Dime was an original and only an original deserves the original. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. I know. I got all choked up there too. I thought it was me. I was like, oh, that's really sweet. Okay, man. but also, like, is that why Bumblebee is Bumblebee in the Transformers? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just because he's yellow and black. Okay. <laughs> I don't think there's any kind of correlation there. I was like, whoa. But that's did Van Halen name a car in Transformers? What happened there? That would be cool, honestly. If anyone yeah. could, it would be Eddie Van Halen. So uh, Dimebag Daryl was ranked number 92 on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Um, number 19 on Louder's list of the 50 greatest guitarists of all time. He placed number five on Gibson's list of the top 10 metal guitarists of all time in Jeez. 2015. And he was ranked at the same year as the most influential guitarist. Influential. <laughs> God damn it, I'm almost <laughs> done. I have one sentence left. <sighs> He's ranked as the most influential metal guitarist of the past 25 years by VH1. I don't know if you remember that channel. 
VH1? Yeah, pop-up video. Of course pop I know. Pop-up video. Yeah. Um, just to put it out there, my sources are Rolling Stone, MTV, and Wikipedia. Boom. I am done with that. Sorry, Great. I tried to do it better for you, but I stumbled a lot along the way. I just had too many notes. and ugh. I know. Well, and you're very close to it. You get very excited about your metal <laughs> stuff. So you get, it's very close to home. <laughs> oh, I'm such a dork. <laughs> it probably would have been easier if I had done it. Because then you wouldn't be so invested. Like You know if what? I, if I had done that, if I had let you do it, I would have interrupted you every 10 seconds, which is more than I interrupt you now. Every 10 yeah. seconds, I'd be like, oh, and this? Oh, and this happened? Oh, wait, wait. You left out this? That he liked ice cream? You know, it would have been weird. Yeah. Yeah. So for my segment this week, I did not really follow the theme there were so many, I was going to go into um, like people who died on stage in front of their audience people. Like uh, there's that girl who was on The Voice who was murdered while she was signing autographs. Yeah. Give me sick. something. I don't know. Yeah, it's awful. Some of these fans are just like absolutely disgusting. So I went a bit lighter and did the hauntings of already dead celebrities. So, um, and it's super, super short. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Um, but one of the like major haunts in Hollywood is Marilyn Monroe. So I kind of only just dabbed into a little bit of Marilyn Monroe. And then of course, Elvis, but, um, Marilyn Monroe is said to haunt so many different places. So she died. She gets around, man. Absolutely. Even her ghost gets around. So she died at 36 years old in 1962. And that's a whole nother conspiracy that we're not going to dive into right now. But the official cause of death is suicide by drugs. So if and how that happens and because she knows too much about JFK, we won't know. But while she's been dead, she frequents a lot of places. One of them is her house that she lived at. That's 12305 Fifth Helena Drive in L.A., uh, which is where she, quote unquote, killed herself because I don't really believe that she did. But um, another place is the Roosevelt Hotel. Apparently, she stayed at the Roosevelt Hotel so often, and she always wanted to be in the cabana room, which is suite 246. And there was a full-length mirror in that room. And um, one of the maids went in there once to clean it and saw her, like, vivid uh, while she was cleaning the mirror and turned around. And then she obviously wasn't there. Um, and she freaked out. She ran out of the room screaming and she quit that day. Oh, like wow. she quit working at the Roosevelt hotel. She did not, she didn't come back at all. She just quit left. Um, to me, that wouldn't be a scary ghost to see like no. Marilyn. She seems like she'd be very nice. Yeah. I, I feel like she'd just be like, Hey, what's How's up? Going? How are you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Super like she'd be like, Bleh, you know, and be all weird and yeah. no, but I also feel, I mean, if you, if you see a ghost period, that might be real frightening. I mean, think yeah. of all the people who saw Casper and ran away. 
He's the friendly <laughs> ghost. That's true. Yes. <laughs> but they didn't give him a chance. Marilyn Monroe, you know, she's very pretty. So. Yeah, well, and we knew her before. Right. So right? it's not even it's like just, you need to give a chance. Yeah. Yeah. And she wasn't known as a bitch. Like she was known as a pretty sweet person. That's true. At this, the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, it's been reported so often that people see her in that full length mirror that was in her suite 246 they moved the mirror to the lobby of the hotel oh wow so that everyone could get their chance to see her because cool in that hotel the only people who saw her was in the reflection of that mirror no one saw her it wasn't like she was roaming the hallways or like in a specific area it was always in that mirror but she also was known to or is known to frequent Hi, Zoe. Um, maybe she's trapped in the mirror. Has anyone ever tried to look into that? Yeah, so she's known to be in mirrors places. Like, there's another sighting of her at the Santa Monica Pier, which is at that beach was one of her first photo shoots professionally. So she kind of has a an implied emotional connection Nobody, I mean, you don't really know if she had an emotional connection, but people would imply that because it was her first. Um, but they see her at the hippodrome, hippodrome, I think is what it's called. It's a, it's the carousel at the Santa Monica Pier, and there's the mirrors, you know, inside of it, and people will see her in the reflection riding on one of the ponies or whatever on the carousel. Oh, that's weird. What's up with the mirror thing? I don't know, but that's, it seems that she's always seen in a mirror. It's always the reflection. People don't see her wandering the halls of places or in random places. Although she is known to be seen at um, the Knickerbocker Hotel. Knickerbocker. Um, but, But everyone says that, like, basically all of Hollywood, the geographic location, Hollywood, She's seen in every uh, ladies' room of, like, all the popular bars and and places and uh, in Hollywood. Like, I, I do not want to die and have to fucking haunt goddamn ladies' rooms. I don't no. want to smell your poop for the rest of eternity. I am just so not cool with that. She deserves no. better than that. Well, she's also seen at her crypt, which is number 24 at the Pierce Brothers We'll talk uh, about that at the end. Westwood Village. Let's talk about that when you're ready. Okay. So she said, also, I was reading, so I got a lot of this information on the Business Insider article, and they were saying that the crypt above Marilyn Monroe recently sold for $4.6 million. Just the crypt above. So, um. Wait, can I say something about that real quick? I can't help yeah. it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, um. A few years back, I took my my niece Katie um, to. We went to Hollywood. We did a whole ghost and graveyard thing. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say a few years ago. She was 16, and now she's like 25. Um, she wanted to see Marilyn Monroe's grave. So mm-hmm. you would think it's a Marilyn Monroe, right? It's gonna be this big crypt, this big thing. I'll put a picture up. We'll put it on our website. So we went there. It's in the middle of. It's on Santa Monica Boulevard, I think. And mm-hmm. it's literally the cemetery is in the middle of all these skyscrapers. Like you would never, I'm like, this has got to be wrong. Like it's got to be wrong. Google's wrong. But and, it's um, the crypt, right? So it's just like a long box, like a hallway of 
boxes, almost like yes. safe deposit box. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like it was yeah. so hard to find like Don Knotts had a huge like tomb. And yeah. like Marilyn Monroe, we wouldn't I don't know, someone must have told us, but there are all these lip marks on it, like people kiss it. Yeah, they do. And then so part of that is that people see her in a mist of pink near the crypt almost like she came almost like she came out of her crypt and got all of that pink lipstick on her while she came out like that's cool we kissed it I don't care like nowadays in COVID you wouldn't do that but we totally did that okay (laughs) it's not just COVID you shouldn't (laughs) kiss public places I feel like this is one of those things where I feel like I shouldn't have to tell my kids, but I have to tell them anyways. Well, it was Marilyn Monroe's grave. Mm-hmm. Like the Blarney Stone. People yes. have died from kissing yep. the Blarney Stone. Because, and people piss on it. Yes, the locals piss on the Blarney Stone. So, hey, there's a PSA for you guys. Do not kiss the Blarney Stone. Because the how locals high, pee on it. How high is Marilyn Monroe's crypt? It's about eye level honestly okay so people could piss on it if they had a stream that was yeah but they're end up pissing it back at them honestly mm-hmm. i yeah. said it's eye level like how high do you think men can pee i don't know if the pressure's right they could probably pee to eye level i don't know oh, i've geez. never <laughs> i've never asked jo- joe dimaggio brought her that grave bought her that crypt mm. her second husband um, dimaggio yeah we we I would imagine we know who Joe DiMaggio is. I would hope so. But you maybe know, we don't. There's out there. There's millennials yeah, out there. That's true. Who the hell is that? That's true. Well, Joe DiMaggio, I feel like he's mentioned in quite a few Madonna songs. <laughs> yes, so, he is. But she worshipped Marilyn, so. Exactly. Yeah. That's very true, Jen. Good point. Take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, one of the the big names for um, being haunted is obviously just as big a name in Hollywood is Elvis. Um, he's not dead. So, so um, I don't know how he can haunt anything. I, well, you know, Priscilla Presley says she regularly has conversations with him. Like she's, oh, yeah? so she, she does believe in the, you know, the afterlife spiritual, whatever, but she also says she talks to him all the time, but I kind of feel like, but does it, he talk back? Like you might talk to him, but does he? Is he there? Talking no, back? I think she does. She has communications with him. Like they have conversations wow. in her mind. They have conversations. That's but I also feel like it's you know how you can know someone f- and you start to have conversations with them and you can think what they're going to say in your own mind. Like you kind of play out the conversation yeah. as you would say it. I feel like that's probably what she's doing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is alive. Maybe he's talking to her. But I think she, I think Priscilla and Elvis had such a serious connection that she, she probably really thinks how he would think. You know, I think they she were so different. Very well. But she also is like, oh, if I said this, he would say this or, you know, whatever. One of those things. Um, but he is reported to haunt obviously Graceland like he's it's reported that you see him looking out windows um up the Graceland property and is that that, where he died did he die there in Graceland I I'm not sure 
I maybe should have researched that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to throw. I, was on, I don't know either. I have no clue. I was on. Listen, didn't he die while he was on the toilet though? Yes, that's what I'm wondering. Where was that toilet? I feel like it was in a hotel room, but now I, I gotta know. Died where? Yeah, I don't know. There was um. So this woman, Grace, has De La Hortas. It was at Graceland. Yeah. So this woman, um, Paz de la Horta, she said, quote, I felt his spirit go through me and give me pleasure, unquote, in the basement <laughs> of his home. Okay. And I didn't. That's funny. I wasn't sure if she meant like. Oh, sexual and, pleasure. Absolutely. But this is so like, I'm Give being. Her an orgasm. Yeah. I'm being completely racist when I look at her name. I'm I'm thinking possibly there was a language. There was a language barrier or something. Oh. Like she meant to say it gave me joy. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? You feel that. You know what? So, You're probably right. Actually. No, but I it's way better to totally say right. <laughs> that he pleasured her on his way through her. <laughs> like, I mean, you're Elvis, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> See, these are nice ghosts. One's giving you orgasms. The exactly. Other's just, you know, being pretty. <laughs> um. So he also haunts the Knickerbocker. So I think Elvis and Marilyn are probably like all Knickerbockering out. We should go there and like stay a night. Fuck yeah. It's in LA, right? Yeah. So it's probably only like $400 a night. Oh man. On a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Donate on Patreon. <laughs> right. So we, so we can stay there at night. We'll tell you if we see them. Um, so also Elvis has been seen at the RCA recording studios in Memphis. Okay. Now this I feel is a little bit, um, well, I'll just tell you anyway, but he's been spotted cruising the strip in Vegas in a phantom convertible, which, Okay. All right. I don't know how you could tell if this is happening because like 90% of everyone who's in Vegas is drunk and it's the strip and there's so many fucking Elvis impersonators. Like, good point. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel it. And the strip is always jam packed. Like there's traffic. You don't just drive the strip. You're stopping the traffic. Exactly. Unless it's right now. In COVID time where there's no one there. Yeah. Well, and if I've already had, you know, two of those three foot long margaritas. Or the dick Yeah. And I ate a fucking awful slots of fun 50 cent quarter pound hot dog. <laughs> and then I'm looking at the strip and like, oh, fuck, there's Elvis. Like, who? <laughs> right? Who looking yeah. at a phantom car? Exactly. That's, that's a, You know what? I'm going to give you that. You're absolutely right on that one. So I don't know if that's, I don't know how much I believe that. That's funny. But that's it. That's that there's, there's a lot of other hauntings. Like, um, I tried to look at, um, Hugh Hefner's house. Oh yeah. Was haunted or is haunted. Hang I bet on, it is. I'm going to find it. They should turn that into a museum. That'd be super badass to check out. With all his white peacocks and that. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of had a, uh, like a zoo going on. Like, how many models overdosed there? Oh, nobody would ever know, because I'm sure they shove, they, you know, put him in a wheelbarrow and (laughs) 
<laughs> drove him out off the property. Oh, that's probably true. So Hugh Hefner, he had his first Playboy mansion, quote unquote, whatever it was called, um, in New York. He had a penthouse. Oh. And so when he first started his magazine, he was in New York. And then uh, when he moved out to Hollywood, it was his girlfriend who found this house uh, that's now known as a Playboy Mansion. It was for sale. And it wasn't really for sale. She just drove by and saw that, like, things were happening there. And she asked, she inquired, like, is it for sale? She told Hugh Hefner, like, this mansion is for sale. We're going to get a good deal, whatever. He bought it in, uh, I think it was the 60s. Maybe seventies. Right. I don't. It was the first mansion in, or it was the first property in America to sell for over a million dollars. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, um, so, but you can't get it anywhere. Like nowhere online is like, why did this woman kill herself? Or uh. it, is it really haunted? But uh, I think what do you say, Holly Madison? Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah. She talks about how the Playboy Mansion is haunted. And a couple other people talk about how it's haunted. And I think it's by this Anne or Annie woman. So I don't know exactly how she died. But, um, but yeah, she when she died, the Statham sold the mansion for $1.05 million to Hugh Hefner. Wow. And it was the first place to ever sell for over a million dollars wow you know what's yeah. funny you you played this in and you don't even know it with Marilyn monroe because that was the first centerfold for playboy was Marilyn monroe not that really? she posed for him um hugh hefner bought her photos from when she was young starlet start, starting out oh don't quote me on this because i did read holly madison's book i think it's called oh god it was i had it and then i forgot it now mm. whatever she talks about one time she, um, he worshipped Marilyn Monroe. Hugh Hefner, that was his his thing. That was his perfect yeah. woman, I guess you could say. So she hmm. dressed up as her, cut her hair like her, and did the makeup. She was one of his girlfriends, you know. And I guess wow. he freaked out and was so angry and <gasps> mad and said some really, like, mean things to her. Wow. So uh, that's, that's crazy. kind of funny that you go back to that. See, everything relates. Yeah. I know. It's Hollywood, man. Everything, everything is tied in. Hollywood is is so incestuous. Right. Everything is with everything. Like, yep. Like they all somehow mesh into another by one way or another. Yeah. That was fun. Yes. It was very fun. I never got my neck shot. Oh, well. He's kind of allergy sick, so I guess I'll, I'll forgive him. You'll have to go venture out on your own. (laughs) I might have to go get my own (laughs) shot. Jesus. You got to forage for your own shit. Right? God. How old before you can make your kid go do it for you? Yours is age appropriate. You think? Yeah. I I mean, my kid, well, my kids get me beer. Yeah, beer's probably a lot easier. Well, (laughs) I would say how much do you trust her to not spill over pouring and then waste all of it? Not an iota. Yeah, so... She could barely get milk in the cereal bowl, so. I was going to say, it's probably more so. More work. How much do you, yeah, how much do you want to waste versus how, I don't think it's inappropriate for her to pour it for you, but you're going to waste a lot. 
<laughs> That's very true. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll try and get this out. Sorry soon. that your editing's com- gonna be fun. Oh, my computer is still not here because it's stuck in customs in China, so I'm still battling with this shit computer. But I will do my best. First world problems. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. Be good. Be kind to one another and take care of yourself and exercise if you can. And if you can't, just eat a big cheeseburger. So. And be nice um, to the healthcare workers. Don't be mean to them when you protest. Be nice to them. Yeah, don't fucking protest. Yeah, and then there's just don't protest. We're all in this together, and it we all think it sucks. It all sucks, but it will end. Or if you go protest, just, you know how they do those searches when you go search for a missing person and you are walking six feet in between each other and oh. you're all walking in a line yes. like laterally. Why do you know that? That is Protest. such a weird comparison. <laughs> Just so you know, that is so out there. When someone's missing as if everyone knows because they've all been on a missing person hunt. Oh, you've all seen the TV shows. <laughs> Just go that way. Just, you know, if you're going to protest get in line laterally or longitudinally however you want to and just walk <laughs> walk as a force together you don't need to be back in like you don't so, have to be nut to butt no absolutely you never have to be nut to butt that is you never have to do that well, unless you want to be like that's your thing that's cool well, that's what i'm saying you never <laughs> have to you never you have to do that if you want to be nut to butt that is you, you, but you should do that with a mask and you should do that in your own home. Yes. You, you shouldn't be, be you. doing that. Yeah. You shouldn't. You be you. If you want to be nut to butt, if you want to be whatever the fuck, I, I don't even know what else to say to that. But you should probably just stop saying. That's absolutely <laughs> your right. And I, I, would, I would protest for your right. In fact, to I be have nut to butt for that right before, but that was before Corona. So how about we not protest deadly diseases by being so fucking close to each other? A hundred percent agree on that note. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, and on that note, on that note, yeah. Peace the fuck out. And I'm not going to say it. Hey, see you later. Ciao. That Aaron, nice Aaron meant to say that. Say she I wanted to say ciao. It's right there. Stuck I know. In my chest. It's okay. I said it for you. Thanks. You're a good friend.